I think we've run, some of us in this room, 2019, if we could all just write down on a piece of paper what your year was like, how many know you would have some highs and you would definitely, there would be some lows as well. And there'd probably be some in-between stuff. We've all probably been through a lot of things this year that we didn't see coming. Uh, and I, I would say that's probably true for all of us, that if I would have, if I would have written at uh, the start of the year, what I thought this year would look like, it probably would look a little different than what turned out in my life. But how many know God knows already what 2020 will look like? He already knew what this year would look like. And even the highs and in the lows, we know that God is in everything if we let him be in everything. So as we, as we are running this race and and, and I love the idea of this, this idea of, of endurance. And I also love the idea uh, of the word, the aroma of Christ. How I many know there's, there's an aroma uh, of, of worship, amen? Uh, there's an, uh, an aroma of, of Christ. We see that throughout the Bible. Like when Noah built the altar after the ark stopped, he built a, an altar and the incense, the, the aroma filled the nostrils of God, his, his praise. So there's, there's an aroma to, to our, our worship and, and this, this fragrance idea. And, and it takes endurance to be the fragrance of Christ. Amen. And when I say the fragrance of Christ, I mean like we are the very aroma of Christ in this world. And it takes endurance because there are those highs and there's those lows, but people who endure, right, become the aroma of Christ. And I think we've all, to some degree, have endured some things this year. How many this morning can say, I've endured a few things this year? But here we are, amen? And, and, and we are still here. And, you know, um, I've never... Uh, I've never made perfumes or fragrances um, in my life. I guess some people have. I know um, my daughters have made candles. Darby just recently made a candle, and it smelled great. She made a candle. I like to, to, to smell candles. I'm not so much about making candles. But how many know there's, a, there's an aroma with candles? And, and if you've never walked into a Bath and Body Works store, just, just do it sometime. You'll see full-grown full adults just sniffing candles, right? How many know, who's been to a Bath and Body Works? I, I like to go through the store, and I, I just like to smell certain candles. Matter of fact, when I like a candle, I, I like to go up to my wife or my kids. I'm like, smell this candle. Right? It's like a hint. Like, oh, it's so good. You'll really love it. But I actually, I'm the one. Like, this is one of my favorite candles. This one's called Paris. It smells like coffee and a cafe. I mean, right now, I'm smelling something that you're not. But how many know you can imagine what coffee smells like? If I just say some, some type of food, your mind can go right there, can I? What, what, what if I say, um, like, the aroma of a barbecue? Ah, uh, right? You know, you're, isn't it amazing how even though you're not putting it in your mouth, you can taste something with your mind? <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, I can literally just say, I am smelling, I think this is kind of like a pine tree smell. And I can just say this, the smell of pine, and you can... You can smell it, can't you? And 
Uh, not this year. Maybe you can't, maybe you can. But I can smell things even though I don't taste them. And there's, there's something significant about this. And around the church, you know, we have, we have like wallflowers distributed around this church, strategically placed, I must say. Um, but there's an aroma that is constantly being diffused in this house. And, and I believe that God has put us on the earth strategically, amen, in our places of position. He strategically put us in places to disperse an aroma of the love of Christ. And like, like we don't, like our life isn't just like happenstance. We just don't end up where we are. But everything that's happened in our life, God has already ordained and known these things would happen. He's strategically putting us in positions of influence so that we can uh, disperse the aroma of Christ. And, and I've been to hospitals many times, and I walk into the room, and I'm expecting, you know, the person to be kind of like, woe is me. But in turn, they're like, I know that God has got me here for a reason. I, I went and saw Dave Mead a couple of days ago. We need to pray for our brother Dave. But Dee was telling me, she's like, you know, God's going to use him in this place. And even though he's here, there's like an aroma and a fragrance of God. And how I many know it can be the opposite? You can, you can walk into a situation or a place or, or a place where somebody's not giving God the praise, and there's kind of like this, this bad scent, right? I mean, this, this bad, this presence of like fear that has overwhelmed people. And, and, and how many know fear does not come from the Lord? It comes straight from the pit of hell. And, and throughout the Bible, we read stories of people who were succumbed by fear. The disciples were full of fear at times, and then they found out that Jesus was actually right there in their midst. But when I, when I talk about fragrance, here's the thing about fragrance. It's the process of making fragrance that I find very interesting. Because something has to happen when you make any type of fragrance. You have to find something that is precious and crush it. To make fragrance, you find something that is precious and crush it. In my pocket right here, inside this little jar, uh, is the fragrance of, of uh, myrrh and, and frankincense right here in this jar. But how I many know there was a process to make this oil, right? The oil has to be pressed and oil has to be crushed before it can become a beautiful, a good smelling fragrance. And I think in our life, sometimes there has to be a process where the Holy Spirit, right, we are, I'm broken in God's presence, not broken in a negative sense, but broken to the place where I say, God, I can't do this without you. Like, like I, I don't know how I survived some of the things I survived in 2019, but Lord, I can look back and say, you were through, you were with me through the fire. And, and even though I felt crushed, or even though I felt broken in a sense, from that can become a beautiful fragrance, amen? And I want my life, and I want your life to, to kind of be a beautiful fragrance, where, where people can smell and sense the aroma of God. So we're going to begin at Philippians chapter 1. This is where we're going to begin. And if we are going to ask God to really use us to, 
to allow us to be that fragrance, to, to run with endurance, to get that second wind in life. We're going to need some endurance. And let me tell you this, as, as we move closer to the return of Jesus, church, we need more endurance, amen? Things are, are, are going to get tighter, like the press. The wine press will get, will get even stronger. But how many know God says, I, I want new wine skins so that it can hold what he's doing? And like, we can't just get by with what we used to have, but we need to come to God and say, Lord, I need a new wineskin. I need new, I need a new thing to happen in my life. Amen. Because the press will get stronger for believers. I mean, around the world we're seeing where, where Christians are literally uh, uh, having to make choices. Like, do I, do, I, do I speak up for my faith or do I stay silent and stay safe? And so these are, these are things that are happening. Philippians chapter 1 is where I'll begin. This is a, a letter written by a pastor to a church that he had planted. Paul had planted this church. This was his very first church plant uh, that he planted in Europe. And it's interesting, what's awesome about that is, is uh, Paul is trying to go to Asia. You know, isn't that funny how God has a sense of humor? Like he's trying, he wants to go to Asia, but yet God sends him and his first church plant is in Europe. I mean, those two places are not exact, they're, they're a distance apart. So this is the first church and the first convert is a girl by the name of Lydia and who happens to be Asian, which I, I said is kind of the sense of humor of God. Like Paul wants to go to Asia. He finds himself in, in this church in Europe, but God allows him to, to lead this girl to the Lord and her name is Lydia. And so she was... Uh, I like to say Lydia was the Ralph Lauren of the New Testament. <laughs> if you know anything about Lydia, how many have ever heard of the name Lydia in the Bible? She was known for making fine clothing. Like purple was her thing. Like the color purple was Lydia. She actually was known as like, like I said, the Ralph Lauren, or, or think of a really good designer. Lydia was known as someone who, who, who made these, these wonderful cloths of, of purple and, and things like that, and people would, would seek after it. Matter of fact, Acts chapter 16 describes Lydia like this. A certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Tyria, who, one who worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened to listen to the things which were spoken by Paul. So she was successful. She was uh, good at what she did, but she loved God and she had a heart for God. And she also had this, some, I like to say she had this epic cloth, right? She was known as someone who had this great thing that everybody else wanted. So Paul plants this church and, and through a process of time, he's no longer with them, right? Through a process of time, he's no longer with the, the, the church, but he still loves these people. And, 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 he, and, he, and he writes to them. And why does he write to them? Because he knows that they are worried about his safety. Paul is in prison, and he knows that they're, they're worried about him, and, and he's behind bars, 
And, and obviously the people are concerned about him, the one who planted the church who's now in prison. So he wrote Philippians to say, hey everyone, I'm doing okay. How many know that says a lot about his character? He's put behind bars. Instead of being worried about himself, he's thinking about those people that he once planted, he planted the church that he pastored. And he's like, I'm okay, but how are you doing? Right? That, that tells me he had a perspective of something greater. And how many know God was using him in prison? He was the very aroma, the fragrance of God. And I want to say that no matter where you're at in life, God can use you in that place, in that season, even when you feel unqualified. Matter of fact, I believe that most of the time in life we feel unqualified. And I think many times we get in our own head. I feel like I don't deserve this. I mean, I, I can tell you there have been several times I, I've been preparing a sermon and, and it's like nothing's coming to my mind. I'm just like, there are times that the enemy puts thoughts in my head like, you shouldn't be doing this. You're not qualified. You're not good enough, right? And we start telling ourselves and believing these lies. But we have to realize we are not qualified by our skills. We are qualified by his calling, amen? And that's a whole nother thing, a whole nother sermon. So it's classic Paul, right? He comforts them while his life is in the balance. That's this classic Paul. Have you ever known somebody that they're really, when they're, they're just down and out or they're really sick, but yet while they're sick, they're actually comforting you? Like, I'm gonna be okay. You know, like, like don't worry about me, I'm, 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 I'm fine. I know, I know my dad, when he was going through his cancer, one of the things I came to the hospital, and I don't know if he remembers this because th there was some medicine and he, he was you know, going through all these surgeries. But one of the things, like, he's like, to me and my brother, like, boys, I'm okay. How are you? I mean, he, put, he took the emphasis off him and he said, how are you doing? How many know sometimes in our culture, it becomes a lot about us? And Paul, classic Paul, turns the script in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Wow. As a result, as become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in change for who? For Christ. It has become apparent that I am here for a reason, right? I am the fragrance of God. I am like the aroma he's put me. And because of my chains, verse 14, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without what? Without fear. What's the thing that stops people from witnessing? Fear. And so what Paul is saying, because of my circumstance, because of my situation, even brothers and sisters in Christ, even their own faith is being elevated. How many know believers that we can also inspire and lift up other believers when we handle situations in a certain manner? See, it's, we are witnessing to unbelievers, but we are also inspiring and lifting and encouraging other believers. I mean, there are people in this church during a worship service, when you walk in this house and we are singing songs, when you walk in, your very presence elevates our worship. Amen? How many know you can be around 
10 people in a prayer circle and that one person enters that prayer circle and they just, con- they just connect and they're just like, God, we know that you can do these things. And all of a sudden the whole group starts kind of like elevating its prayer. Isn't that amazing how that happens? You can be in a Bible study and we're all kind of just sitting around talking about, you know, uh, what's on sale and what's on Amazon and who won what game. But that one person can kind of come in and say, let me tell you what happened to me this week. God did something amazing in my life and it elevates the whole situation. Church, we are the aroma of Jesus Christ. Paul said, not only am I witnessing to unbelievers, but I'm elevating other believers who are full of fear. This is because we know that in our life there will be tribulation. But guess what? There's one named Jesus who said, I have overcome the world. Fear is something that the enemy tries to rob us, use to rob us of our joy, our place, our position. But Listen, let's, let's, let's do what Paul said, right? Let's, let's, as a result, know that God has used me for this very purpose in life. So Paul is not only being a witness for Christ, he's encouraging other believers to become confident in their calling. Amen. Second passage I wanted to take you to before we really drop this thing is Jeremiah chapter 12. So we have this picture of Paul in in prison in Philippians chapter 1. Now let's go to the prophet known as the weeping prophet. How about that for a life title? He was the weeping prophet, right? The book of Lamentations was lamenting. And, and so, and we have Lamentations and we have Kings and we have all these books in the Old Testament. We have Jeremiah here, who this prophet who's known as the weeping prophet. And in chapter, 20, uh, chapter 12 is where we're going to read. And Jeremiah was a prophet that, that God um, had his hand on before he was born. Amen. How many know God already had a purpose for his life before he is born, just like you and I. And we, we, we read that in the scripture. The Bible says, you know, God speaking, Jeremiah, before I knit you in your mother's womb, what did he say? I knew you. Like before you were born, uh, Terry, God knew you. Isn't that powerful? Like before you were born, Noel, God knew you. Before you were born, you know, anyone, Carter, Darby, you name it. Everybody in this room, Harley, can't leave you out. You've been born longer than all of us. Alive longer than all of us. God knew you. He knew you better than you would ever know yourself. So he said about the prophet Jeremiah, before you were formed, I ordained you as a prophet to the nations, right? He's like, you're going to root out. You're going to pull down. Like you're going to do some things, some difficult things. You're going to bring a difficult message. You're going to root it out. You're going to pull it down. You're going to preach to kings and you're going to preach to nations. I mean, that's a pretty cool thing. Like, 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 before you were born, uh, Braden, God knew, how about God's going to use you one day to go to the White House and to preach to the, to the President of the United States. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah, that'd be awesome, right? Or, or God's going to use you, Ben, to, to, to go and preach to King somewhere and, and, and to hang out with them. <laughs> be, you know, that'd be awesome. But how many know Jeremiah had a problem first before he got to that level? He, it was in his own home. 
Do you realize that as he began to preach to his own neighbors in his own community, they did not like his message. Now, let me tell you what kind of, uh, what kind of uh, a feedback he got. They literally said, we want you dead. How many know that's a rough sermon? Like you preach a sermon and then you wait for the response and you find out the next day that there's a group of people who not only didn't like the message that he preached, they wanted him dead. That's, that's severe. Like, God, can you just take me to like the kings and to the nations? Like, do I really have to deal with all this other stuff? And so Jeremiah is a lot like us. And I like to say that he was destined for impact. Say that with me. Say, I am destined for impact. Like you are destined to impact a world that sometimes rejects Jesus. Amen? It's not always going to be easy. And I want to get a hold of this as we move into 2020 in just a couple days. See, God sees you and he knows you. And he chose you before the foundations of the world. I mean, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? The creator of everything, like, knows you personally, created you, knit you, and, and has a purpose for your life beyond anything that you could think. So you are anointed. Let me say this. You are anointed and appointed to take your place. I, there's a place in my life, and I'm so thankful that I had a— and even to this day, I have to say, God, I am anointed and appointed to do your work. I do not feel qualified. I do not feel like, like I, I sometimes good enough. But how many know it doesn't matter if we're good enough. God is always good enough. Matter of fact, that's a better place to be is when you feel like you're not good enough. That's when you say, God, I need you now. If I ever get to the place where I'm like, I'm really good at this, right? I'm really good at preaching. I'm really good. How many know that's a place right then and there where pride comes before the fall. I always want to be in this place of like, God, I need you more. I can't do this. I can't resist this temptation without you. I can't do this without you, Jesus. Amen? I, I want to live my life in that place of like every day. God, I need you today. Because I don't know what darts the enemy is ready to fire my way today. I don't know what kind of disappointments or what kind of tribulation might come my way, but I know that I serve the one who already knows. And he already sees us getting through those things, amen? He, he already knows. He knit us. He formed us. And he's prepared a greater thing for us. So Jeremiah grows up. And he fights his first calling. I think that's kind of sad in a way. He has to fight his very first calling. Like his first calling was to preach God's word. And, and, and here he is, this, this, this young man. And, and, and at, at this time, uh, the nation is in a, is in a crisis. There's a, a great dilemma. Basically what's happened is they have abandoned the, the, uh, the fountain of living water. Like, like all the cisterns are broken and they've abandoned the things that they know are right. How I many know it's a tragedy when I see believers who, who at one time were on fire for God, but for whatever reason, they begin to abandon the living water. They abandon the things that they know are so important. How I many know that's a tragic thing, isn't it? 
When you see someone, you're like, they used to be so on fire for God, and now they just, they just seem like they're just a totally different person. So Jeremiah is dealing with this mindset in a nation of people who have abandoned their first love. And, and maybe you could kind of draw some comparisons to some things in our world or our nation where, where there are, there's a movement maybe of people who are, have abandoned that first love. And Jeremiah has to call them out on this. This is why he's not a very popular preacher. How many know sometimes popular preaching is not always necessarily what we need? I believe sometimes good preaching is the kind of preaching that hurts a little bit. I mean, in my life, usually the sermons, the pastors that I listen to on my own time are usually kind of the ones that, I mean, it hurts a little bit sometimes. It, it moves me. It, it, it drives me into different things. So this is Jeremiah, and, and he's it's given this word because they're living, in a, they're living in a time where Band-Aids won't cover bullet wounds. In church, let me tell you this right now. Still today, Band-Aids won't cover bullet wounds right? Just, just kind of casually going through life and casually praying and casually having a relationship with God, in my opinion, is like a band-aid trying to cover a bullet wound. We need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We need like to, to be in that place where we say, God, I need you to be a better husband or a better wife or a better parent or a better student or a better friend, right? I got, I need you every day. Oh, how I need thee every day. Can I get an amen on that? I need you every single minute, every hour of every day. And for some of us, like myself, I need you every minute of every hour of every day. So Jeremiah, he started out in a city called Anathoth. Now, if it sounds like I said applesauce, that's correct. It's kind of like a sound of a lisp. So say it with me. Anathoth. It's kind of weird to say it like that, isn't it? But that's where he grew up, like in the city of Anathoth. And so it sounds like applesauce, it wasn't, but he grew up in Anathos. And so here he is, and he, and he grows up, and, and, and he, he, he's in a small town that's like 60 miles outside of Jerusalem. And you might say, like, well, or he might have said, God, why, why start here, right? You've called me to, to preach to nations, to kings, to influence an entire nation. Why right here in Anathoth? Well, because that was his hometown. And let me, let me just say this. I hope I make this very clear. Ministry that's effective always begins at home. Can I say amen to that? Ministry that is effective always begins at home. Your first place of ministry is your home. Your home, there's a certain aroma and a, and a fragrance, aroma of God or something in your home. Right, I can walk into somebody's home and I can feel tension sometimes. How many ever been that before? Like, like the Holy Spirit, maybe, maybe some of us, there's that, that the thing of discernment. Like I can walk in and I don't say anything, but I just kind of feel it and I just pray. And I'm like, there's just something here that just, just doesn't feel right, right? I mean, I just, I don't know what it is. Well, I mean, you can walk into someone else's house, even a total stranger, and you're like, yeah, this feels good. This feels right. Right? There's a, there's a, there's a presence of God. Like God is welcomed in this place. 
Ministry, effective ministry, say it with me, starts where? Matter of fact, let me back that up a little bit. Ministry starts in your own life. Like, like we can't ask God to do greater things at Harvest Line Church if we don't ask him to do greater things in our own personal walk. I mean, we ask God all the time, like, God, give us, would you, would you expand our territory? Would you save my family? And those are great prayers. There's nothing wrong with that. But our first prayer should be, God, would you, like, work inside me? Like, do ministry inside? I'm really struggling here, God. Like, be really honest with yourself. I think a lot of us are really, really struggling at times. Maybe you have a lot of questions for God. Like, why do these things happen? I mean, I hear stories of people go through these terrible things in life. And it's just like, you know, people really struggle. Like, God, why is this happening? And so ministry's got to start right here at this level. Like, I, I can preach to you all day and all night. But if, if, my, if, if my personal life is chaotic, then really I'm just like a clanging sound. Amen. I got, ministry's got to start here. I believe that Jesus was the, and he, how many know Jesus was the greatest example in all things? Everything. Like we find so often that Jesus would have to what? Go and away and be alone. And what did he do? He would go spend time with the Father. He would pray to God. Before he went to the cross, what did he do? He said, take this cup from me. I can't, I can't handle it. It's too much. God. I think at times in our life we have to say, God, this is just too much. I can't, I can't deal with all this. I can't deal with the negativity. I can't deal with the, with the, 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 pers- the people in my life who kind of live like a double life. Like, how many know we, sometimes we get frustrated with these things? But how many know there's a great sense of joy and relief when we say, but God, I give it to you. Like, here's my burdens, here's my questions, here's my doubt. And, and God, I just, I want to be free from that so that I can worship you in spirit and in truth. Amen? And we serve a God who is a God of truth. And so Jeremiah had to be frustrated in his hometown trying to preach this difficult message. And, and, and like I said, it doesn't matter if it's your house or your cul-de-sac, um, but it has to happen in us First, and Jeremiah started at home. He was faithful with where he was at. He knew change must first happen at home. And I want to get that point across. He was faithful with where he was at. Amen? No matter what assignment God has given you, and I pray you're doing something for the Lord besides just showing up. Whether you're, you're serving in the community, whether you're serving at the church, or, or some regard, but be faithful with where you are at. Amen? I've always been a big believer. No matter what I'm doing for the Lord, I want to be the very best at it. I want to do it with excellence. How many of us at the church, if we all have that mindset, Right? I want, I, want, I want this to be the very best if I'm teaching or if I'm greeting or if I'm cleaning or whatever I'm doing, God. I, I want to, w- with where I'm at, I want to be happy and I want to do it for the Lord and I want to do it my very best. And how many know that, that spills into your, into your other life? If you do your very best for God and then at your job, no matter what job you have, I want to do the very best job. Even if I'm making minimum wage, I want to be the very best at it. Because I know that God, you will, you will bring me new things, right? And so Jeremiah said, I have to be faithful with where I'm at. 
I'm sure he was ready to get out of town. Like, I'm ready to go to those kings and nations. I want to I change the world. I want to change. But no, he had to deal with people who wanted him dead. That's a tough crowd, amen? I don't know what kind of family you have, but hopefully they don't want you dead after Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner, you know? That's a, that's a tough one. He's got a tough one right here. Nobody liked this preaching. You know, I heard a thing this week that this is true. I can tell you this from firsthand experience. Uh, and I was listening to a sermon. And I was actually telling uh, someone about this week that the average pastor only thinks one out of five sermons of their sermons are any good. That's pretty, that's, how many know, that's, that's tough. Those are tough numbers. I mean, I usually go to Heather. I'm like, you know, I'm my hardest critic. Jeremiah, nobody liked his preaching. I mean, thankfully, no one in this church yet has wanted me dead for my preaching. I hope not. That would be rough. My wife will come after you. But I'm sure he was frustrated. He was upset. And so what did he do? He went to God with his complaints, didn't he? Like, he says, you know, God, you picked me. Like, you chose me to do this, and you picked me before I was born, and you gave me these people, right? Like, I don't even, I don't even get a say in this matter, you know? And, and, and he said, God, you said you'd be with me. You, you said that, that, you know, I don't have to be scared of their faces. God, you picked me, and now this is what I have, so... Basically, God, what gives? And so we have that answer in Jeremiah chapter, Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. And, and the heading of my Bible says, the Lord answers Jeremiah. Maybe your Bible says God answers Jeremiah, but the heading says that. So Jeremiah complains and God gives him his answer. It says, if, verse 5, if you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses, right? This is probably not the answer he's wanting. He's probably wanting God to, God to say back to him like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, I tell you what, I'm just going to give you a break. And, right? No, he's like, if you can't handle these people, how do you think you'll handle kings? Like, you need to learn how to handle. Church, we need to, if we can't handle some of the things that life has given us at this level, how do we think we're going to handle things as things get harder and harder, as, as we get closer to the end times? Like, I, I find people that are like, it's so hard to be a Christian. They want me to fast for a day. I mean, go without food. Are you kidding me? I live in America. There's like a fast food store in every corner. How much temptation do you think I can handle? Right? I mean, they're asking me to give? Are you kidding? I can't get. Do you even know what I have to do? Like, I need my coffee, and I need these things, and my, my subscriptions to Disney+. Plus. Come on, right? Come on. <laughs> I have it, but I find other ways to give, right? And so he's saying, God's saying, no, I hear your complaints, but listen, you need to learn how to deal with these things. Then I can take you to greater things. I mean, so many times I ask God, like, God, are you kidding? Like, really, do, do I have to go through this right now? And God says, listen, I want you to learn how to deal with these things because I have something even greater for you. And how many in this room say, I want to do more for God. Like, I want to lead people to Jesus. I want to go on a mission trip. I want to do things that I, like, so by saying that, now we're telling God, like, I'm ready for whatever that looks like. 
And so he says, God's reply is like, and in the land of peace, if which you tr- in which you trusted they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplain in the Jordan? Like, if you are not able to handle this situation at home and still do it knowing that I'm with you, how will you ever handle what I have prepared for you next? Harvest Land Church, I believe that God has more planned for this church body. Right? But, but, but in the same tone, God is like, so I don't want to hear your complaints about why we can't. I want to know why we can like, it's easy to say, well, we, we're not this, and we're not that, and we're not good enough at this, and we're not qualified, and we don't have enough people. No, we need to say, like, God, you can do anything, amen? As we take our complaints to God, God just like, listen, trust me, if I'm for you, who can be against you? And so I am guilty of complaining. Anybody else in this room ever complain about your life? <laughs> I think we all do it. I'm sure we will do it today. There might be somebody who even complains about something that happens at church. Like, like they didn't do this, or that song was that, or this was that, or why did, how many know, we live in this mindset, we kind of always make everything about us, but instead of saying, God, what are you showing me here? What, what's happening here? Like, I want to do greater things for God. You know, I, I, I have to admit, I, I've been feeling God saying to me, like, you're going to go to Pakistan. And I'm like, I'm all in. Then I start complaining to God. God, I can't afford that. I, I mean, so I'm sorry. I can't go. How many of we do that? Like, I can't do this. Find somebody else. So what does God do? Put somebody, a couple people in my life who say, I'm going to start sowing seed into your trip. And guess what? Now I have to go. Because God's making it happen. God's providing finances for me to go. Guess what? He took my excuses away. How many know God will take our excuses away if we hang around him enough? Like Moses had every excuse. I can't do this. I'm a bad speaker. I'm no good. So he's like, well, God provided everything that he had an excuse for. Like we have no excuse as a church body not to win people to Jesus Christ. We have no excuse God's like, I have already given you everything you need, right? I've given you everything. You are the aroma. And so here's this word I want to end on is this word called second wind. Like we need a second wind in our sails. As we end 2019, as we go into 2020, I just sensed the Lord was just speaking this word like second wind. There are, some, there are people here today, like you, you're just ready for that second wind. You're just a little tired. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're like Jeremiah, like I'm just, I'm just tired of like, of like just being around so many uh, uh, things in my life that seem to not go my way. And so there's this thing about like this second wind. Someone say second wind. Thank you, it helps me. You say it so much better. It's, it's, it's when a runner runs out of breath, which I haven't done for a while, like run. <laughs> but I, but it's, it, what happens, it's the lack of oxygen, right? So lat, lactic acid begins to build up in your lungs and you begin to like get, t- in your muscles, I'm sorry, in your muscles and you get really tired and, and, and you start just running out of steam. 
And I think sometimes in our, in our walk with Christ and maybe as a church body or as Christians, sometimes that, that well, I can relate that to fear and other things. Like, like we start running out of energy, right? We just kind of run out of this, this momentum. And, and maybe you've experienced this before. Maybe some of us experienced this. That I, I, I relate this better to like Thanksgiving, right? How many have ever had a second win on Thanksgiving Day when it comes to eating? Like, I, like I, I eat this huge meal, and I'm like, I can't eat anything else the rest of the day. I'm so full. And then about like three hours later, I find myself making that second plate of all the stuff I really was thinking about while I was so full. Isn't that amazing how we get our second win even in eating? Like, I don't even know how I fit it all in, but there's the second win. But listen, I, God wants us to get where Paul was at. As we read in the New Testament, remember back at the beginning of the sermon where I talked about Paul being in prison, and, and, and God wants us to, to be there. He, do, he doesn't want us to get stuck where Jeremiah was. Jeremiah was stuck complaining to God. Paul had every right to complain, didn't he? Like, I'm in prison? Like, why? I don't get it. But no, Paul was like, yeah, I'm in prison. I will be the aroma of God, right? Like people are going to hear me singing. People are going to know that God is for me. He's not against me. And that's a, that's a place that I want to be, that no matter what my life brings, I still want to say, I know that my God is in control. Like I, my Christian walk can't be based on like, if I have a good year in 2020, man, I'm just going to be a great Christian. No, it's no matter what comes my way, I'm going to give God the praise. And maybe what you need is that second wind today. Maybe that's, that's what, what's just waiting is when you feel the Holy Spirit. And I'm praying that like prophetically, like second wind, would you just blow in our lives? Like, I don't know about you. I'm just going to preach to Pete Freeman right now. Like, like I'm just going to be me and God. Like, God, I'm frustrated like really frustrated sometimes. Like I want more for all of us, amen? Like I want more in my own life, God. I'm ready to see revival drop on Clarkston, Oakland County, amen? How about you? I'm ready to see our churches come together and just worship God together and not get tied down in all the theology and every little detail and exegesis and eisegesis and all this stuff, hermeneutics. Throw that out right now. I just want to worship the King of Kings. Like, like, I think the Pharisees were the ones, they were always there debating every word that Jesus said. But he was like, no, 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 don't get caught in that. Just come to me saying, you are worthy, God. Like, I don't want to get so caught up. In, I get frustrated sometimes in my own self, like I'm trying to figure everything out. But no, God, I just want to come to you and just like 2020, God, I, I'm ready for a new thing. I'm ready for this fresh wind. I'm just ready to see God like radically mess up your life for Jesus. Can I say that? I'm ready to see some of this church this time next year just like radically just messed up for Jesus. You're just like a soul winning machine. You, oh, I can't even contain, you're bringing so many people to me to, to, to hear about Jesus. I'm just like slow down, you know, I don't have so much. I, but like, right, that's a good thing. 
Like, I'm ready for people to say, like, like, there's this thing that happened at work, and I prayed for somebody. I've never done it before, but I saw God move in someone. Second wind. Say it with me. Second wind. I need a second wind. Maybe you need a second wind. Maybe your marriage needs a second wind. Maybe it needs some, like, breath of life. Maybe your, 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 your career. Maybe your, your, just your own mind, your mindset. Like, there's so many things that this could apply to. But for all of us, our spiritual walk is always, like I said, every hour I need thee. Just think about those words. Like, every hour, God. Like, I can't tell you, and I, I'm so thankful. I hear many of you tell me, like, you know, like, Pastor, I, I, just, I was just, like, walking, and I just began to talk to God. And, and I love that about that. You know, I was talking, I think it was Carter. We were talking in my office the other night about talking to God and praying. And, Claire, we were talking about prayer. Remember that? And I, we were just talking about how sometimes we all get kind of caught up in this thought of, like, I don't know how to pray, so I don't pray. No, it's kind of, prayer to me is just like, I need you, that conversation, right? It's like, God, I just love you so much. And, and it's just having that commun communication, right? Every hour, God. Like, God, I just thank you. Like, guys, when your wife walks by, he's just like, God, thank you for her. And ladies, when your husband walks by, God, thank you for him. And, and, and if you're not married, say, God, I pray for my spouse. Now, listen, I learned from a guy, his name is Greg Johnson. He, he had a sermon about making your bedroom a Bible college. Have you ever heard of Greg Johnson? All right, yeah, yeah. And, and so when I, I took that real serious when I was later on in, in my teens. He's like, make your room a Bible college. Don't wait to go to Bible college. I'm like, my room's a Bible college for Jesus, right? And I like tore up all my Def Leppard posts. I'm just for me. That's just me, right? Okay. But I got rid of everything. I'm like, this is a Bible college. I'm putting up the Resurrection Band and Striper and Steve Camp, right? Okay, Whiteheart. I went way back. <laughs> but <laughs> I made my room a Bible college. Like, like the Garmo and Key, you rock. The Imperials, you're the best band ever. How many know who I'm talking about? Some of you are just like, what is he talking about? This is 80s Christian rock. There wasn't much, but we liked it. Okay. <laughs> and, and so I made like, but Greg Johnson in this message, like, make God your Bible, like make him your everyday thing. And I began to realize to have a really close walk with God, I, I needed to like every day start knowing him better. For me, it wasn't enough just to go to church camp or elevate. I started saying, like, I need this thing, like, every day. Every day. If I could have the worship team go ahead and prepare to come up here and join me. We're going to close in just a minute. At face value, God's answer to Jeremiah might seem cruel to some people. You know, here's, here's Jeremiah. God's picked him to do this ministry. Uh, things go bad. Like I said, people even said they're going to kill him. He goes to, to God and complains. And God basically says, you need to learn to endure. Right? You know, Jeremiah, picture this. He, the prophet is bent over. He, he's gasping for air. He, he's, he's, retching, uh, uh, he's retching in the bushes. Meaning like, he's like literally to the point of vomiting. He's so full of like despair. Like, I can't do this. And God's response is, get up and go out. Like, 
you got this. Get out what you need to get out and let's get going. So I think it's like God's way of saying to us as we end this year, like it's time to get up and just, and get out. I was listening to a worship song this morning as I was getting ready for church and there's a song called Come Alive. It's, it's, it's come alive, dry bones, uh, based off of Ezekiel 37, the dry bones that came alive, right? And, and so I love this song. It's like, come alive, dry bones, come alive. And that's the prophetic word I just want to say. is like, come alive. Take your place. And, 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 and maybe you're ready for that second wind. And I'm just so blessed. I can't tell you how blessed I am when I spend time with brothers and sisters on a one-on-one basis. And I hear your stories and I hear people saying like, you know, God just woke me up this year. It's like, or maybe last year, whatever it was. You're like, and you say like, God just showed himself and woke me up. And I'm just sitting inside. I'm like, yes, that's it. And I love seeing the joy of families and our kids. And, and, and how many know, there's just something beautiful when, when people begin to find their way back to God and their purpose and the meaning. Jeremiah found his way. We know that. He found, he found, he found his way. Yeah, he was never the most popular th- guy, but his word, his voice helped change and shape a nation for generations to come. See, the truth is you can accomplish nothing powerful and lasting or eternal. Let me use that word. You can accomplish nothing eternal without the power of God. Like we can't accomplish anything eternal in this body without the Holy Spirit, amen? We can accomplish things for now. Like we can feed people, we can do good works, we can do all these nice things. But how many know, if we wanna do things that are are eternal, we need Jesus to infiltrate and take over our daily life, amen? And and, and I don't wanna just live for this time that we have on earth. I'm, I'm living for eternity with you, like it or not. And we will be together worshiping our Savior, but we need thee now. Would you stand with me? You see, I like to say all of us are like Samson with a buzz cut, <laughs> right? I mean, Samson had all this power, but as soon as they cut his hair, man, whoosh, gone. And then it was what? All God. It's like, all God. Like in ministry, there's times in my life where I I try to do it on my own. And and I thought, I I got this. And and, and I started to kind of stray away from the things that got me there in the first place. Like spending that time with God or being in. And I I strayed away and I started thinking, I'm doing this on my own church. Let me tell you, you can be saved a long time and start thinking like, oh, this isn't that hard. I got this. But boom, life will sucker punch you. When you least expect it, somebody that you love will go through something tough. And somebody in this room have experienced loss and you know exactly that emotion. You're like, boom, I didn't see that coming. And it takes the breath. It like takes the, the wind right out of your sails. And if you don't know who you are in Christ, you can quickly just start losing your place, your identity, and you start complaining to God more than you worship him. And I don't want that to happen to anybody, but we understand the Bible says in this world, there will be tribulation. 
The great part of that scripture says that I have overcome the world, says the Lord. Amen? The bad part of that verse is that we are still in the world. <laughs> we got to deal with the world. But we know that through him, he has overcome the world. I want to put one more verse on the screen. It's so important. This came up this week in one of my, one of my meetings with people. This verse like says it all. Song of Solomon 2.15. Catch for us the foxes. The little foxes that run the, ruin the vineyards are vineyards that are in bloom. You're like, what does that mean? What's, like, what's the context here? First of all, in Palestine, in that part of the world, foxes, jackals were everywhere. They're rampant. And they were eating all the harvest. They were eating the life. They were eating the grapes. So they're like, if we don't catch them while they're small, they will eat it all the way. And they're like, it's easier to catch the small foxes. They weren't as smart and cunning yet. They said, but if we allow these foxes to grow to full size, they can ruin the whole vineyard. And, and when I think about that, I think like, like in our life, we need to catch ourselves. Like those sins, those patterns, those things. Church, let's catch them now before they ruin the vineyard. Amen? Like before things get out of hand, get out of control, let's ask God, would you show me right now what in my life, God, that, that needs to change, that needs to happen so that these things that I've allowed, maybe there's some things in your life that it seems small now, but you and I both know if you don't stop it now, it can become something greater and it can ruin somebody's marriage, they're, they're not ruin it, but this really changed things. And I want you to understand how important it is today that we say, God, you are able to do, I need thee every hour. And right now at this moment, you can say, God, I ask you to, to guide me, to, to lead me, to help me in these areas. And just that activation of prayer, amen? I mean, God already knows what you're going to pray. He, he, it's God, I always say God's not ever surprised by what we do. He doesn't need us to inform him. He just wants us to involve him. So God, we just, I ask you that we will learn to involve you in our everyday life. Give those that second wind that need second wind. And as we close these three things, I want to say them over you, and I promise I will close in prayer over you. Awaken. He tells us to wake up. Every day matters. Every hour matters. Amen? We need to wake up. Number two, abandon. He tells us to put aside the undisciplined patterns of the flesh, those small foxes. And number three, adorn. This is the best part for finally he tells us to what? Put on Christ. We know he's inside you, like wear it. He's in you, put it on. No, now adorn yourself with him. Put on the garments of praise. Hallelujah, God, we pray this. God, we, we know that your spirit will now 
Speak to us, remind us, seal this word in our heart, God. I pray that we walk out of this place saying, God, you know what? I'm, I'm ready for change. I'm ready to take some new territory. I am ready to, 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 worship more than I complain. You remember David said, like, I, he exalted the Lord. Magnify the Lord with me, right? I don't want to magnify my problems. I want to magnify my God who takes my problems and he's like, I'm going to use this for your glory, for his glory. Father, I pray as we go, would you, God, just speak to us all this week? And I pray that we would understand how much you love us. I would pray that we would understand the depth and the width of your love. If there's anyone here today and you say, you know, Pastor, I don't want to walk out of this building until I say, God, I want to make things right with you. Would you just right now with your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, would you just, I, I, we, let's end this year and walk into 2020 with a new start, a new foundation. Would you just lift your hands and say, God, I'm ready for a new start. Father, I pray that this year coming up that I would take my place. God, that you would be glorified in my life. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from unrighteousness. Lead me. Guide me. And now, Lord, I look forward to greater things in my life and in my home. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, ministry starts here all week. I pray that you just say, God, I'm ready for new things. Many of us are going to be starting diets. (laughs) We'll see how that goes, right? Many of us are going to be starting exercising. Many of you have already made. Listen, make your number one thing to have more Jesus. More. Amen. Be blessed. Happy New Year. Amen. Happy New Year. We will see you on Sunday, 2020. It sounds weird even saying 20.